0: With our welcome to country, here's Adam Howie from Positive Partnerships.
1: As we meet here today with uh, Ryan Kelly, that we'd like to acknowledge and pay our respect to the past, present, and traditional custodians and elders of this nation, and their continuation of their cultural, spiritual, and educational practices of this land.
0: Made for autistic people, parents, and carers of kids. On the autism spectrum. This is A Different Brilliant with Orion Kelly. No two autistic people are the same. Open conversations that inform and engage a better place for autistic people. An aspect podcast focusing on the strengths, interests, and aspirations of the autistic community. Welcome Welcome. to A Different Brilliant. Welcome and thank you so much for listening to A Different Brilliant. I'm your host, Orion Kelly, and I'm autistic. Now, my purpose is to inspire, inform, and entertain you through focusing on the strengths, interests, and aspirations of the autistic community. A Different Brilliant with Orion Kelly. On this episode, we are exploring the topic of autism and First Nations people, my guests are Adam Howie, a proud Bardi man, and Emma Draysons. Adam is the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Schools and Community Program Coordinator for Positive Partnerships. And Emma is the Manager of Diverse Community Programs at Positive Partnerships. Emma and Adam, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thanks very Hi, much, you, Ryan. And it's uh, lovely to be here.
0: Just for those listening, let's just talk a bit about Positive partnerships in a nutshell. Guys, do you want to just quickly talk us through this? Tell us a bit more about Positive Partnerships.
2: Positive Partnerships is a federally funded project and we have been operating since 2008. So we have literally supported thousands of parents and teachers to build relationships between home and school to support young people on the autism spectrum. We're very privileged and grateful to work alongside multiple reference groups that include our Autistic Advisory Group, our National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Reference Group and our Multicultural Collaboration Group that guide all of the work that we do. And Positive Partnerships is delivered by Aspect Autism Spectrum
0: Australia. Now, in 2019, Positive Partnerships and Macquarie University found in the report, We Look After Our Mob, that that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders are 1.8 times more likely than other Aussies to be living with a disability, yet there's almost no published research about autism and these communities. I really want to talk about why this is. Adam, what's going on here?
1: My understanding, and, and I believe Macquarie University has done an amazing job with this research because it is out there leading the way around research into autism, but not only autism, but autism through a cultural lens. And that cultural lens being the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture, but I think with a lot of aspects around the cultural appropriateness, cultural awareness of whether it's health services, educational services, we lack as a country in these areas. I'm not surprised as an Aboriginal person that we know all this research and areas around autism, and but that's still growing. We're still learning, but through that cultural lens of what is it like being an autistic person as an Aboriginal Thai Strait Islander person? That's the area that basically hasn't been looked into before. And like I said before, I think a lot of those areas are still new and it just needs to improve. So sadly, living in Australia, those things are improving. And I just think autism is falling into that basket and that research using a cultural lens around that research.
0: Yeah, frankly, it's astounding and unacceptable from my point of view. Number one, the fact that everyone knows this makes it even more unacceptable, in my opinion. So the study is fantastic. It's brought it to light. But come on, we need to make this happen. As an autistic person with an autistic son, I know how hard life can be, the challenges you face. I can only imagine from just being a human, living and breathing with basic common sense, that it must be many times harder for Aboriginal people, Torres Strait Island people who are autistic, to be an autistic person. I don't know. I'm sorry, Adam. I'm, I'm ranting. I'm just really I'm frustrated well, and, and upset.
1: No, that's right. And it's completely understandable. And it is frustrating as an Aboriginal person who I am not autistic, but my wife and I have an autistic daughter who's our foster daughter. And she's an Aboriginal. And through her view of the world, she sees her culture in a different way than I see culture but to me and my wife Emma that doesn't mean she doesn't love and respect her culture any less than I do yeah she just comes at it from a different total angle which I find amazing
0: different brain different perspective right and this is a stuff god knows she, she could be the key her perspective could be the key to what we've all been waiting for, right? People right. don't realise this. She could bring a nation together. How, how, do, how do you know? How do I know? Different yeah. minds, different perspectives. Anyway, I want to get to the research. So let's talk a bit more. Let's kind of unpack this. What do you think the research actually says about some of the issues that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities experiencing when accessing autism services?
1: Well, I think, one, the research shows that Aboriginal families and, and Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander families, that the first thing they want from a school, and their young person at school who is autistic, they want their child to be safe. That's number one. Secondly is the importance of culture. So they want the school to respect that culture, whether Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander or or Torres Strait Islander culture. And thirdly, one that that I think as, as a parent of an autistic child is that I want the school to recognise my daughter's culture, but also to recognise her autism and then help her thrive and encourage her to be uh, what all she can be, basically. I think that's the most important bit that comes out of this research, is that what Aboriginal and Thai Strait Islander families want from their school. And through the research, also they discuss better ways to engage with Aboriginal and Thai Strait Islander families from a school's perspective. Another important point is the recognising of their culture and the importance of their culture to their family their community and themselves, recognising autism, but then the school going on and bringing those two together, the culture and autism, to ensure that they have as many chances at that school and just become a part of that school environment to allow them to move through the school system.
0: Emma, we've digested a lot here and you've digested a lot. Is there anything you wanted to add at this point?
2: I guess just listening to Adam now, I I, I can hear the words of Elise Muller in my head, who is an autistic Aboriginal person and an incredible advocate for different educational experiences for people on the spectrum to have their culture represented. I know she's spoken about being able to be aboriginal and being able to be autistic but not both at the same time that there were support services for autism for her individual learning plan strategies there was cultural support, but there was no overlap. So I think it, it really highlights that that is a very real experience in the Australian education system for people on the spectrum. Yeah, I know Adam, you sometimes described it as walking in two worlds, that there, there isn't that partnership or that melding of, of support to make it holistic for that person.
1: Further to that, Emma Orion, is we have the, the, the study also recognised and highlights through Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, that we have to increase knowledge of autism within Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities.
0: You're not going to do that with the standard stuff that's around at the moment. It's got to be accessible. It's got to be fit for purpose. It's got to...
1: It's got to be accessible. It's got to be culturally appropriate. Yes. It's got to be developed with and for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And with accessibility, that's not only, it's got to be available online, it's got to be in a culturally safe space, it's got to be available when they go down to a medical service, but also, more importantly, it's got to be talked about and yarned about within a community. That's right. What autism is, what it may look like for their child, and also, just through my lived experience with our daughter is that the diversity of autism yes that's one thing that when i talk to communities is about the put away what you've been seen on tv where you're reading books about autism every person that i've met that is autistic is different like every other person in the world and it's such a diverse thing that we've just got to make sure community's aware of that
0: yeah, it's, it's an infinite colour wheel. You can't just put it on a, on a linear scale. For people listening, there's just something that struck me. We're going to move on, but there's something I just want to say this so people can hear it. The idea there can be someone who can say, you know, I can access services that allow me to thrive as an Aboriginal person and I can access services that allow me to thrive as an autistic person, but not both at the same time or not both. I mean, that's an incredible insight. So... Let's talk about some of the things that were brought to light. Let's talk about the key barriers we've talked about. What actions have been taken to help Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children and adults on the autism spectrum to understand the diagnosis and, and get the supports that they may need, exactly the kind of challenges we were just talking about?
1: I think Ben could most surely speak to this better than I can about what may be our bias, but what positive partnerships I think does a good job in overcoming those barriers.
2: Yeah, I think that's where that homeschool partnership really comes to light. I think that the barriers, some of them are systemic and, you know, some of them are institutionalised and they're really big challenges that we, we need to explore within our country. But I think in terms of the work that Positive Partnerships does, that is our goal, is to reduce some of those barriers and challenges for families. One of the programs that we support within community, My Child, My Student, brings parents and teachers together for a few days to really focus in on on the young person, get to know them, get to learn more about what life is like at home and in community, and then really have a strength-based approach, not a deficit-based approach. I know that there's other research that really highlights how inclusive Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture is of disability and diversity and difference. And then children and families step into a space sometimes where we talk about funding, we talk about diagnosis, we talk about strategies, individual learning plans, and what we really need to keep focusing in on is the strengths and interests of that young person what's working at home to support them, and what can work at school. And I think the research tells us that that's a really strong foundation.
1: Yeah, just to carry on from what Emma was saying, is that within the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander space with positive partnerships, we have an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander reference group that are representative from around Australia, from as far as brewing in WA to South Australia to Queensland, up north, Queensland, Thursday Island, many are teachers, parents of autistic people. So they're bringing their expertise and guidance and cultural knowledge to positive partnerships. And within the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander space, we develop culturally appropriate content and resources for Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people, developed with community and developed for community. We don't go in there and do something to community. When we go in there, to facilitate a workshop, whether it's a, what we call a yarding and sharing workshop with community. We engage with the community first. We get a representative from the community to guide positive partnerships within that space. So I, even as an Aboriginal person, I need that guidance within that community to ensure that we're working with community and not going in there and just telling community what to do.
0: Yeah, positive partnerships, doing some phenomenal work in the, the aspect Aboriginal school and and all the fantastic things but sometimes the main issues aren't actually the groups, it's the structure above them that can hurt, you know, like two countries building a bridge and meeting in the middle and realising they've got a dog leg and they can't connect it clearly, not only the research but what we've found from the research and also the resources you're putting out there and working on, it just shows the level of importance they are given how far we have to go with both things we're talking about here, which (laughs) clearly, autism and First Nations people, I mean, seriously you couldn't pick two bigger topics and try and put them together. It's an astounding mountain to climb, but we've got to do it.
1: And just about those systemic issues, the study suggest that Aboriginal tri Torres Strait Islander young people are more at risk of being misdiagnosed within a diagnosis of autism. And that could be whether they live in a remote community to a lack of access to services or even down to a cultural or non-understanding by the clinician Absolutely. or the service provider about around that diagnosis and that something within culture about looking someone in the eyes, where in some places, cultural dictates that an Aboriginal person might not look someone in the eyes, So that might be taken part of the diagnosis and not a cultural happening. So Absolutely. that young person may be misdiagnosed.
0: It's fraught. For me, when you think about it, let's look at it from a historical point of view. We're talking about a diagnostic criteria based on white boys, not even girls.
2: Absolutely. White
0: boys. And the idea that, well, how can it affect one brain and not another? It just blows my mind. So I think you're right. Misdiagnosis and the ability to catch up to diagnostic criteria. I find it hard to find good diagnostic clinicians in Melbourne, let alone in remote communities, my friend.
1: And sadly, I think, Orion, that's just, it's highlighted within the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander space. But I think we all know in Australia, we do have structural misrepresentation the more remote we go, and,
0: mm-hmm. and we, we can only uh, yeah we can only start at the start Emma right we can only start with what we can control and what we can what we can achieve
2: yeah and I think these conversations are really important I know Adam we've talked a lot about eye contact which is mm-hmm. talked a lot about in the autism and autistic communities from that real medical perspective and as you're saying right that very Western white picture of autism but that in different cultures eye contact means different things in in different social situations for different people it it represents different things so I know that that conversation about late diagnosis misdiagnosis comes back to that core conversation is what do we think autism is you know how do we define what it is and, and who an autistic person is and I think that Going back to the research, it's wonderful that it exists. We're, we're very proud and privileged to have collaborated with Macquarie Uni, but it only was published in 2020, you know. It's the first piece of research about autistic children, their families that are Aboriginal in Australia.
0: Which is fantastic, which is Groundbreaking. But based on those recommendations though, Emma, where are we at? What other recommendations have been made following that research that we need to kind of push forward, action needs to be taken, we're working on now?
2: I guess Some of the ways that the research finally happened are part of the answer, I think. I mean, I think more research is needed, definitely. The research took place. It was supported also by the First People's Disability Network, which are very much sitting within that human rights space and, again, incredible advocates for First Nations people with with disability. But the families that came forward to share their story have had a relationship with positive partnerships, a trusted relationship, over a period of years through our work out in community. And I think that families came forward to share over a couple of days. Some of them had never been off country. So that just highlights how important it was for them to come to Sydney to share their story because they want other families to have opportunities that they didn't have for their children to have different ex- schooling experiences. And, and that's very much at the heart of, of the work that we do and how we do it as Adam stepped through. We're not flying in and flying out. We're not doing things to communities or, or to schools. We really hope to be working with them.
1: I would love to see a, a greater emphasis around working with communities, around raising the awareness of Autism, what autism is, and once again back to that diversity of autism. No two people are alike. It's a spectrum of different people, and I think that's important to that raise that awareness in community. But then also think as service providers, we have to, and I say we as colloquial, we have to shine the light on ourselves to ensure that the services that we are providing are culturally appropriate, culturally safe for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people.
0: Adam and Emma, best chat ever, my friends. I think we
1: could have I, our own series. <laughs> 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 and I just want to reiterate and just that there is virtually nothing known about autism mixed with culture within mm. the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community. So I think that is our starting point. And this study by Macquarie University is that starting point. And it's just the point about raising awareness within community and within services.
0: Agreed. Understood. Brilliant. Adam, Emma, thank you so much for your time.
1: Pleasure. Yeah, thanks very much. All right.
0: My guests on this episode were Emma Drasons and Adam Howie from Positive Partnerships. And thank you so much for taking the time to listen to a different Brilliant. We really do appreciate it. If the episode has resonated with you, and I'm sure it has, please share it with your family and friends so we can reach more people. And if you'd like to continue the conversation, just like the Aspect page on Facebook or visit autismspectrum.org.au. You're also welcome to reach out to me on my website and send me a message via orionkelly.com.au. A Different Brilliant is an Aspect podcast. Executive producers are Lisa Cassidy, Dr. Tom Tutton and Julie Fenwick. I'm Orion Kelly. Thanks for listening to A Different Brilliant with Orion Kelly. An Aspect podcast on the strengths, interests and aspirations of the autistic community. Our door is open anytime. So like the Aspect page on Facebook or visit autismspectrum.org.au.
1: My aim, make the world a better place for autistic people.